Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Los Angeles, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And joining us from the coordinator's room in Nashville, Tennessee, it's the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, gentlemen? Uh, excited to be here for another edition. Uh, it's cocktail party week, so you know I'm, you know I'm gassed up. You know I'm kind of on edge. You know I'm, I'm ready, ready for a good show, ready for a good showing in Jacksonville. We'll talk about that game a little bit later, boys. How you doing? We're doing well, doing well. And uh, finally, the third amigo in the second city, a man who, at least for the weekend, will only endorse U.S. Army-issued mustache trimmers, Morton Salt, and the C.R. Lawrence Fine 2-inch axe-style scraper oscillating knife blade. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister. Thank you for that shout-out. Uh, for those of you not familiar with the hilarious sitcom Parks and Rec, I am uh, – Going as Ron Swanson's. I got a little fake mustache, a nice long sleeve polo coming. Uh, I'm excited for it. I think it'll be a really good costume. Yeah, Josh, I know you're a big Halloween guy. So uh, you were being in my case a little earlier this week because I, uh, not as much of a Halloween guy as I used to be. But uh, anyway, well, one, of the, um, uh, one of the errands I ran today after doing a background check for my job was uh, stopped by a pumpkin patch. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I know you'll get carbon later, but uh, we got to get out on our first drive with some quicksand. So I'm going to throw it to you first, Josh. Yeah, our, uh, our listeners really love the insight for this. So um, one thing that we'd love to do here at Illegal Motion is to treat all conferences equally. Uh, last show, Coach and I talked about the Mountain West and the MAC, and obviously, Professor, you do the American, uh, really every show. Uh, so I thought I would kind of set a table for the uh, Conference USA and Sunbelt runs here. As they approach the end, I'll start with Conference USA because it's a little bit bigger. And uh, the East is an interesting race. Western Kentucky and Florida International are both three and one, although Western Kentucky is five and three overall. And Florida International fired their coach and it sits at three and five, but their interim staff has really turned things around. I don't think anyone expected them to be in contention. Uh, these two division leaders play each other in early November, so that'll be a big piece of determining who wins. Uh, Middle Tennessee State right there also. They are 2-1, and 5-2 and two overall, but the Hilltoppers already beat Middle Tennessee, so it's a big tiebreaker favoring WKU. Uh, then is Old Dominion putting together an impressive season. They're 4-3, and 2-1, and one, but they're such a young program that for them to be over 500 at this point in the season, hats off to them. Charlotte, another new program. They're two and two, three and five overall. Marshall, the big disappointment. Doc Holliday's team, two and five overall, one and two in conference. They don't have a lick of defense this year. It's costing them. And Florida Atlantic, the Owls, winless in conference at 0 and three, one and six overall. They'll try and play spoiler. That has to be the hottest seat now in the conference. Uh, tough to see FAU really struggle this year. Over in the West, Louisiana Tech, they're off to a hot start. They're three and one, five and three. Overall, North Texas, a surprise team, is 2-1, and one, as is Southern Miss. 
Uh, both North Texas and the Mustard Buzzards are four and three overall. Uh, Louisiana Tech has yet to face either of those teams, so that'll be interesting as they head down the stretch. What's crazy about the Bulldogs, though, is they lost a heartbreaker by four points in Middle Tennessee State's house, but they've already beaten Western Kentucky and they've beaten Florida International, so they would love their chances to win if they make it to the conference title game. It's it's very weird that they've had a crossover-heavy schedule so far. Uh, Behind those three teams, Texas-San Antonio, another rebuild project, are two and two, three and four overall. The Miners of UTEP, if only they could play as good as their nickname, they're one and three in conference, two and five overall. And Rice, the smallest school in FBS, academic powerhouse, and a lot of big programs right in their backyard. They're always kind of up and down, and this is one of their down years. They're one and six overall, winless at 0-4 in conference. But that's how see it, that's how CUSA, CUSA, stacks up. I still really like Western Kentucky, and that Southern Miss team, I think they'll turn it around. I think they'll be able to pass Louisiana Tech by the end of the year. That's kind of how we uh, predicted it in the offseason, and things are kind of going to form. All right, all right, excellent. Thank you very much, Josh. Uh, Coach, out to you for your first slant. Well, speaking of uh, going to form, or, or uh, however that saying goes, um, I'm going to stick with the Mountain West. Um, that's actually, ironically, becoming starting to become my conference. Um, like, like uh, Professor, you've claimed the uh, you've claimed the American, and uh, Josh, it looks like you're jumping on Mac and Kusa, and uh, looks like I'll need to uh, I'll need to get show some love to the Mountain West. So I'm going to give you a round up here. Um, Donnell Pumphrey looking to add to his rushing and further separate himself from Marshall Falk on the school uh, all-time touchdowns list. Uh, they take on Utah State at three and four. Um, that's a seven o'clock game. San Diego State is favored by five and a half. Air Force uh, somewhat disappointing. Figured they'd be more competitive in the conference, but they still have an uh, outside shot here. They can still compete. They play lowly Fresno State. Fresno State looking to bounce back with the uh, with interim head coach. Boise State and Brett Rippon taking on the surprise team of the conference, the Cowboys of Wyoming. That's a road game for Boise. They're looking to stay in contention for that playoff spot. They're right we'll there be on talking the about that game later on the show. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, be, we'll be covering that more in depth, but I'll just go ahead and mention it and tease it. And that's what they call a tease. Um, the two, the two more disappointing teams in this conference, uh, the running rebels are traveling on the road to take on the two and six Spartans of San Jose state. Uh, San Jose state's been rather disappointing. I think it was pretty unanimous to, to, to finish runner up in this conference. They're not even close. Uh, and then New Mexico and Hawaii, uh, the battle of the improved teams, uh, New Mexico sitting there at four and three, and Hawaii sitting there at four and four. Both teams are are playing well at times and uh, not playing well at other times. Hawaii is probably the bigger surprise out of those two. They host New Mexico, likely going to come out there with a uh, with a victory. So it's going to be an exciting game, our exciting slate of games in the Mountain West, and it's going to be headlined by the Broncos and the Cowboys, which we'll get to in our deep roots. All right, thank you, Coach. Um, my first slant, like you guys have mentioned, coming from the American Conference, one really big game this weekend when they come South Florida in a matchup of two of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, and we're going to start with Will Worth, uh, the reigning uh, ACC, AAC Offensive Player of the Week, quarterback at Navy last week. If you remember, he ran for 201 yards and 31 carries and three scores, as well as two more touchdowns in the air on three or four passing. And a 
dominant performance over Memphis. Uh, he led his team, at, who Navy overall had 447 yards on the ground, which does not bode well for South Florida, who has failed to stop uh, the rush in both of their losses on the season. However, uh, South Florida quarterback Quentin Flowers is the Lamar Jackson light of uh, the American Conference. He's got 23 combined touchdowns, 15 through the air, 8 on the ground, and is completing almost 70% of his passes. Uh, the Bulls are coming off of a very tough loss at Temple in their last game, 46 to 30. But don't get it wrong, they're still a very dangerous team. And, uh, you know, they win this game, they're still going to be in a good position to win the East Crown, even though they do, uh, they're on the wrong end of the tiebreaker with Temple. Uh, but also keep an eye on uh, South Florida running back Marlon Mack, who alongside of Flowers creates one of the best one-two punches in the league. Navy coach Ken Niamatololo knows that he needs to uh, uh, stop uh, Quentin Flowers and contain him, or else it might be a long day for the mini defense. Uh, looking for a high-scoring affair in Tampa, and uh, but I like the Bulls, actually, on this one to take it out at home. Navy struggled a little bit on the road this season where they lost to Air Force and barely beat Tulane, who is one of the dregs of the conference. So... Um, I, I like South Florida here. Uh, they're actually the favorite at home, uh, and I would definitely take uh, the Bulls uh, by maybe uh, score two. So, uh, Josh, out to you for your second uh, quick slam. Yeah, well, as I teased, I was going to set the table for the Sun Belt Conference, and this is one of the more hotly contested races. We have three undefeated teams right now. Uh, Troy is 4-0, and 6-1 overall. Their one loss was a six-point game at Clemson. They've looked so good that I have them ranked. Their point differential is off the charts, but they have a tough schedule left. They still have App State and Arkansas State. Those are the other two teams that are undefeated. And they have a trip to Georgia Southern, who is just off the pace at 3-1 and one in league. Uh, granted, App and the Red Wolves have to go to, go to Troy, so that helps a little bit. And then uh, is App State, as I mentioned too, they are three and O in conference, five and two overall. But they have a weird scheduling quirk. They don't play Arkansas State, so both could go undefeated and be co-champions. It's very strange how that happens. Uh, Arkansas State, the, one of the defending champions from this conference a year ago. It's two and four overall, but they know how to win Sunbelt games. They're two and zero oh in conference, and as I mentioned, they don't have to play App State. They do have Troy, but they are the team that knocked off Georgia Southern, who is right there, just in the thick of it. They're at three and one, four and three overall. The champion is going to come from one of those four teams. Uh, Troy is not skating by. If they had this incredible start, but a bunch of close games, I would sort of expect the other shoe to drop because Troy's come out of nowhere. But they've been backing it up every week. I think Troy is the story of this conference. I think they're putting together a magical season for them, and I really hope they keep at it because the three of us had them middle of the pack, if not lower. So hats off to the Trojans. Just outside of those four teams, Idaho – Two and two, four and four, getting a lot of offense as you would expect from a Petrino. Louisiana Lafayette, two and two, three and four overall. Monroe, a surprise two and five, one and two. And that's a good surprise. This team was atrocious a year ago. They have a new coach. For them to have two wins is a little surprising. Uh, Georgia State was very senior laden a year ago. That youth not paying off so far. They're two and five, one and two in conference. 
The New Mexico State Aggies, one of the biggest rebuilds in the country, two and five, one and three overall. And then Texas State is winless. They're 0 and three, two and five overall. And last but not least, the biggest surprise outside of Troy has to be South Alabama. They are three and four overall with wins over Mississippi State, an SEC team, and knocked off San Diego State when they were nationally ranked. Yet they are winless in the Sun Belt at 0 and four. It's one of the weirdest things. I don't know why the Jags can't break through in conference play yet, but that's how the Sun Belt stacks up. Uh, look for Troy to keep going at it, but App State, Arkansas State, and Georgia Southern, not an easy trio to, to take down. Yeah, they are very Jekyll and Hyde this year. So uh, you guys uh... – all of our quick slants then this week are doing non, uh, non-power non five because I'm dropping down to the FCS. A lot of big matchups this weekend, and I want to take a look at them. I did a little Ivy League preview for you earlier in the year. I do love me some FCS football. So uh, five big games this weekend that I just wanted to touch on really quick. Uh, the first one is number 20, Stony Brook, at uh, the second team receiving the most votes, UNH. Uh, so they're just outside of the top 25. Uh, so Stony Brook heads to Durham in my dear home state of new hampshire to take on dalton crossan in the unh wildcats crossan is a senior running back he's got 1180 total yards um uh for the wildcats stony brook seawolves who have who would have been a very interesting test case in our team nickname countdown has the ele- number 11 scoring defense and the number 13 total defense in FCS. It's going to be a slugfest uh, in southeastern New Hampshire on Saturday. I'm definitely rooting for my, uh, for my Wildcats to pull off a big Colonial Conference win at home. Elsewhere, heading south to Florida, where there's a big road game for the number 22 Eastern Illinois Panthers uh, taking on the number two Jacksonville State in what is, strangely enough, a conference matchup in the Ohio Valley Conference. The Gamecocks have a dominant defense, giving up a measly 4.22 yards per play. Eastern Illinois, on the other hand, has the number 19 offense in FCS. Panthers have, um, uh, you know, have been doing pretty well this year, but Jacksonville State's defense is going to be too much over come defense travels offense not as much so give me jacksonville state and uh going away at home uh keeping on a uh giving on the fcs number 19 samford is actually playing an sec team this weekend uh and i think they're going to pull the upset in stark vegas they have the number six overall offense in fcs led by quarterback devlin hodges and he'll be a lot of trouble for the mississippi state uh, Bulldogs uh, in this Bulldog on Bulldog matchup. So in that case, I will take uh, I, I will take the Bulldogs to win and not uh, to win and cover. Um, uh, number four, uh, sorry, my, my next matchup is uh, Montana at Eastern Washington. The number nine, 16 Grizz take on number three Eastern Washington on the red turf in Cheney, led by quarterback Gage Gubrud, uh, who is Inferno. Uh, yeah, uh, he's the number one passer in FCS. He's got 2,871 yards, which is 370 more than anyone else is to go along with 27 touchdowns, so just six interceptions. Montana, though, is no slouch on offense either. They're number four in the country with 348.7 yards per game. But the big difference here, Montana's 37th in defense, while Eastern Washington is 97th. But uh, keep, definitely keep an eye on uh, Panther wide receiver Cooper Coop, uh, or Cooper Cup, I should say. He uh, has 59 catches for 866 yards and eight touchdowns in only six games. Uh, so I think the task is a little too tall for the Grizz here on the road, and Eastern Washington should get the win. Um, 
Finally, five-time reigning national champion North Dakota State heads down to the Unidome to take on the Northern Iowa team, who is on a bit of a down year. The Bison are actually having a down year by their own standards, having lost two games already, including a key Missouri Valley Conference game to the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. Two strong rushing attacks here, but the Bison are overwhelming uh, here on the ground. The Panthers have been riding Tyvis Smith hard in the running game, but he's barely cracking four yards a pop and only has three touchdowns in seven games. Um, North Dakota State comes at you from all sorts of angles, and the Panthers should get run down by the third quarter. I think the Bison are going to pull away late 38-17. and 17. Uh, But, Josh, have you been following uh, you and I at all this year? Yeah, they're having a really, really rough season. Uh, my friend who went there and, and follows them really closely, he thinks that the marriage has just gotten a little stale, that the, the message from head coach Chris Farley might not be uh, – working as well as it did in the past. And he actually thinks, based on his age and what he's accomplished, that uh, they might uh, he might retire. And he's done well enough at Northern that despite, you know, fans like Cam getting a little upset at him, uh, he said that they'll probably, you know, retire something or honor him in the stadium because he's had an incredible, incredible career. He's just been there uh, now going on over a decade. So, um, you yeah, know, it happens. That's life. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, sorry, Coach, I cut you off of your second slant. So you uh, you you want to finish it up for us here? Yeah, there's so much pressure on me to stay in the group of five. So you know what? I was gonna do. I was gonna tell you about the SEC, but you know what? We're gonna talk about the important games in our deep roots. So I said, ah, forget it. I'm going to the MAC, the conference. I'm going into uncharted territory here. So, uh, Josh, I'm uh, I'm heading into your uh, heading into your neck of the woods as far as group of five goes. So I'm gonna give it a shot. Here we go. Uh, the Buffs of the University of Buffalo, the Bulls. Uh, the Buffs are their uh, best in Colorado. Um, so Buffalo is hosting Akron. The Zips come in as a heavy favorite in this game, uh, scoring 32.6 points per game. Uh, so that, you know, they, they've been kind of all over the place there. Uh, Buffalo comes in scoring only 14.9 points per game. Uh, and, and allowing them on average 33.4. So uh, things going south for uh, for the Bulls of Buffalo. Um, if you look at your total yards, you're going 412 versus 323. So offense does not seem to be the issue. Um, it just it, it just seems as University of Buffalo needs to learn how to how to finish drives. It it, you know it's not uh, it's not going too well for them once they get uh, into the red zone. Yards allowed. Uh, both teams are pretty equal as far as yards allowed. So, um, if, if you look at kind of the points for, points against, uh, you would have to think that Akron is a heavy favorite here. But the way the uh, the way the defense is played, they kind of give up similar yards. Um, so it's going to be just kind of who makes that play at the end of the game. So it's going to be one of those um, can Akron's defense force Buffalo um, to. Uh, into getting uh, nothing out of their out of their drive, so uh, that'll be an interesting contest there. Ohio takes on the Rockets of Toledo. Um, when we look at Toledo, we'll go to the tail of the tape here. Uh, it's a, usually a good indicator with the team stats um, what uh, what you're going here. The Rockets are certainly acting like Rockets. They are scoring 41.3 points per game uh, versus Ohio scoring 28 and a half points per game. Uh, points allowed per game, 24.3 versus 22.4. So both teams pretty stout on defense. Uh, offensively, the, you, you have to be favoring the, the, the Rockets of Toledo here. 
um, Toledo, if, if you look at the total yards per game, they're averaging uh, 542 and 334 of that on average is through the air, uh, 208 rushing. So Toledo's offense is working. So um, I, I like them at home against Ohio. Uh, they can move the ball and they can light you up uh, many different ways. They're very balanced uh, if you look at these statistics. And uh, defensively, they uh, they get after you just enough. And, and their offense does does the trick. And their offense doesn't seem like it needs their defense a whole lot. Just needs to make a few stops and uh, to get that edge. So I like Toledo, but I think it's going to be a really competitive game here. Uh, Kent State takes on the Chippewas. They travel on the road to take take on Central Michigan. Um, this is a one of those. This is an interesting contest because. Um, if you look at, again, if you look at the team statistics, uh, Central Michigan is scoring 30.4 points per game. Kent State scoring 21.4. Um, there's quite a bit of difference in the team stats, but, you know, State is as well as that. Just when you're getting ready to count out, they don't go down easily. Um, I, think they, I, I think they have a good chance. I think they probably will this week, but um, don't be surprised if they don't. Um, so that'll be an interesting game there. Um, and then and last, but uh, certainly not least, surprise team, Eastern Michigan, usually the doormat. They host Miami of Ohio. Uh, the rules are usually reversed in this game. It's usually Miami of Ohio. Well, I'll just, I'll just jump in then real quick because I do like the MAC. Uh, Western Michigan, they don't play till Tuesday with that weird uh, MAC schedule. One thing I noticed is everyone's giving Jake Browning a lot of love with reason out there at Washington. But when you look at their stats, uh, Zach Terrell, or Terrell, I don't know how he likes his, he prefers his last name to be pronounced, but uh, the Western Michigan quarterback and Jake Browning, very similar stats. Uh, Zach has more yards, a better completion percentage, has attempted more passes and completed more passes, uh, 20 touchdowns, one pick. Uh, Browning, uh, a little bit better yards per attempt, Six more touchdowns, but one more pick. Uh, these two are by far the best pure pocket passers of the season. All right. Um, well, uh, thanks, guys. Uh, sorry we had a little technical difficulties there. But it's time for us to move into our game of the week. And this time uh, we are heading to the SEC uh, where Auburn is coming off of a dominant performance over Arkansas last week. And Ole Miss has been struggling against top competition lately. But it's definitely going to be bumping down there in Oxford Saturday night and the Rebs are going to be fired up. Coach, can they stop the Auburn rushing attack? I, I don't think so. They, they, they're they really. Um, and, and they just, I don't know what's going on in Oxford. Uh, well, too. Um, and then that's the surprising part because uh, usually this defense is, is very opportunistic. They very, you know, in these types of situations is where they, you know, recently have come up there with their best performances. But I, I just think that, you know, because Auburn has three great running backs uh, to run at them, um, I think that they have somebody that's always fresh uh, running at this defense. It's not like you have Leonard Fournette and then that's you know, pretty much it, which, you know, that's a good, that's a good thing to say. That's pretty much it about, but um, they have three running backs that can do something similar to what uh, Leonard Fournette did. So that's going to be a huge challenge for them. I don't think that they can handle it because uh, I feel like all of a sudden their, their depth just got zapped. And, um, 
and their confidence is apt too. And that's, you know, that's a huge factor, especially in uh, SEC play. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you have to just get back in your mindset and, and simplify. You know, I, I think, I hope, and they should this week at practice, should have got back to basics, should have, should have just been simple, put a simple game plan together and just do what they do and they'll be fine. But I just, I just don't think, you know, both, both programs are going in different directions. Auburn is, is surprising and shocking the world right now. Um, nobody expected them to be ranked 15th in the country. Um, maybe some minor improvement, but, you know, slightly competitive, that was about it. Uh, I think a lot of people thought, best-case scenario, Gus Malzahn could save his job. Um, he's done way more than that. And, and people thought Ole Miss would be in the uh, playoff hunt um, and finally get their SEC West crown. Well, um, the Rebels have lost the last two in a row. They have gotten torched in the run game. And Auburn comes in as a, it's a, it's a for, for Ole Miss. It's a terrible matchup at a terrible time. They're struggling against the run, and it's not going to get any better this week. Josh, how do you uh, how do you, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, well, uh, you know, Coach brought up the rushing stuff, so I was just going to put in the numbers. Uh, Auburn has the third best rushing attack in the country at 302 yard. Actually, I shortchanged that 302.9, so they're actually close to 303 uh, yards per game. The Ole Miss defense, just their rushing defense, not overall, but their rush defense, 113th in the country at 226.9 yards allowed per game. That's not good. So why did we make this a trap game if we all expect Auburn to blow them out? I think it has a little bit to do with the schedule of it. So with Ole Miss still having Texas A&M on their schedule, if they lose this game, this will be their fifth loss at Kyle Field in College Station. That would be their sixth loss. That would put their margin of error – for making a bowl game really, really tight. They would have to beat a pesky Vanderbilt team in Nashville or win the Egg Bowl to get that sixth victory because we expect them to beat Georgia Southern, but that's no gimme either. So this is a huge game with their season on the brink for Ole Miss. That's why we expect them to play a little better. And then on the flip side, if there's one thing you want to say about Auburn on why you want to just tap the brakes a little bit on their ranking and their record is – they have no road games this year, save for one, and that was in Starkville. And let's be honest, the, the season Mississippi's having so far, that's not much of a home field advantage as the Bulldogs try and rebuild. So Auburn has not been in an environment like they will experience this year. We'll see if they can operate as efficiently as they have for their other weeks this time in a true difficult road environment. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be very tough sledding for Auburn, and I think they might be a little bit too high on themselves, and Ole Miss still has a lot of talent. So it's definitely going to be a good one down there. We hope it's a much closer game than the Auburn-Arkansas game was last week. Well, it's time for us to get to some deep roots. So uh, first one is uh, the top matchup in the Big Ten this weekend, and that has got the undefeated Cornhuskers heading to Camp Randall, where the Badger D lost leading tackler uh, Jack Sitchie for the year. Uh, Josh, can Wisconsin uh, can this Wisconsin defense still hold strong against Tommy Armstrong and company? They can because they got Vince Beagle back against Iowa. You expect him to be healthier. So losing Sitchie is a big hurt. 
but getting Vince Beagle back kind of makes it all sort of even, Stephen. From Nebraska's perspective, they've been banged up too. Uh, it wasn't too long ago that uh, Tommy Armstrong Jr. was in a walking boot. Uh, Jordan Westerkamp hurt his back. They said that he was practicing, um, but we don't know how effective he'll be in his first game back. And we've seen some of the numbers sort of play out. Um, as they've gotten banged up, they had that 35-point game against Oregon. Um, but Northwestern, they were kind of stop and go 24 points. Illinois, just 31. Indiana, 27. Purdue, just 27. And they were even trailing that game at halftime, 14 to 10. Their offense just is not humming right now with all the injuries that they've had. It's a big ask for them to kick it into gear in Madison against that defense. And the other thing that's a little bit of a cost concern for Nebraska is they're 7-0, top 10, but they only have two wins over teams with winning records. One is Northwestern, who has won three straight to get to four and three, so they're barely over 500. And Wyoming in the non-conference, they've had a very soft schedule. Fresno fired their coach. Oregon might be firing their coach. Illinois is rebuilding. Indiana's been a disappointment under 500, and Purdue fired their coach. So uh, the Cornhuskers are improved defensively without a doubt. When healthy, they have one of the better offenses on paper, but this is their first legitimate opponent, and they're coming in with some health concerns. I really have to like being able to steal this game if you're Wisconsin and get right back into the Western Division race. Uh, Coach, you think, uh, think along the same lines as Josh here? Yeah, I mean, I think this, you know, the defense for Wisconsin is going to be too tough for them, uh, especially as beat up as they are. You know, and, and they, even with guys coming back, you know, Western Camp, even if he does come back, not 100% on the road. you got to take the road trip, be cramped up in the airplane. There's a lot of factors going against Nebraska here. And, uh, you know, I think that it's, you know, it's kind of what you feared with Auburn. They're, they're kind of a little high on themselves. Um, they – they beat a team in Oregon, which on paper looks like an impressive win because of what we know as Oregon to beat and what kind of program they've been. Um, but if you, but in reality, Oregon's defense can't stop a nosebleed. Um, you've had three fired coaches on your schedule, and teams are probably about to fire their coach. So very soft schedule doesn't doesn't bode well for that. Uh, Wisconsin's been through the ringer; they know how to compete. Uh, they had Ohio State on the ropes. They had Michigan. Uh, was a, they, they played them tough. Uh, I don't think Michigan ever. I don't, I don't feel like Michigan ever lost control of that game. But they played them tough. They competed there. Uh, they get Vince Beagle back uh, a week ago, so he is uh, he, he's coming back, and he, he's going to be uh, you know he's going to be gritting out. Uh, you know, a, a really good addition at outside linebacker for uh, for him. So you know, it's it's just. I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe that uh, Nebraska, even though they're higher ranked, I, I, I find it difficult to, to back them in this game because of the because of the physical nature of the Badger defense, because it's at Camp Randall, and because hey, Wisconsin's offense is you know when we talk about their defense, 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 but hell, their offense can can, can move it too. Um, they moved it on uh, Ohio State. They just got to do a better job of finishing drives. Um, and, and really pushing it across the goal line. So 
Uh, I like the Badgers here at home, um, and not because I'm talking to two Badgers, but I truly do. Um, I'm starting to become a huge fan of their defense. J.J. Watts, you know, his youngest brother, is, uh, is, is becoming a leader on that team as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it's still going to be uh, a tough task because the Badgers have struggled a little bit with mobile quarterbacks. You saw what J.T. Barrett did in the third and fourth quarter of that Ohio State game. Tommy Armstrong, not quite the runner that J.T. Barrett is, but still, he's a senior. He's seen it all, um, and it's going to be a very tightly contested uh, game uh, at night. Again, second night game uh, in three weeks for the Badgers, so that's kind of rare for them. Um, anyways, moving on, uh, we are going to take a look at a game, Coach, you mentioned a little bit earlier. The biggest group of five game this weekend has the top 15 Boise State Broncos heading into Laramie in the late afternoon on Saturday to take on a surprising 5-2 and two Wyoming team. Josh, I know you love Wyoming's coach, so you think he can rustle up a, a win over upset win over the, the Boise State Broncos? Well, it certainly would be an upset. Um, Wyoming's offense is the reason for their improvement this year, but their defense is just 83rd in the country. Um, Craig Bull runs that very efficient running attack, and so Wyoming is very one-sided, 26th in rushing, 102nd in passing. I, I love what Wyoming's done. It's a vast improvement but between being a little one-sided and not having defense, that doesn't bode well from Boise. But also, we don't know what this Wyoming team really, what their mindset is. Sometimes teams get in these huge high-pressure situations, a high-profile game, um, while they're rebuilding, and they kind of get exposed a little bit. This is a program that hasn't had a winning season since 2011. Uh, their biggest game as a program without a doubt since the mid 80s and they had some really good teams that made the holiday bowl um so it's been a long time for these fans i know that the players weren't there obviously but culture is a hard thing to change overnight and as confident as these kids might be let's be honest there was a reason why they were recruited by Wyoming because they were coming off a two and 10 season. Wyoming doesn't have four and five star kids. You know, they're in a recruiting battle for the two and three star kids as they slowly turn this thing around and Boise state's just a juggernaut. I hope Wyoming makes it competitive. That would be one hell of an upset that would rank up there with what Penn state did last week in my estimation. But um, I just don't see a one-sided team with not a lot of defense being able to knock off Boise State. I, I think they're the type of team that you have to be balanced and you have to be able to stop them because Brett Rippon can roll the ball around all day. Definitely. Coach? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And I'll speak a lot to the, to the culture thing. And, uh, you know, it, it just looks like with uh, what Bowl is doing is, is he's thinking long-term. You know, I, I think the key to a lot of to establishing great cultures is establishing a great run game. He's 26 in the run. He's doing a good job of that. He's focusing on improving that. The passing game will come with that. That takes time. I don't think even the people in that locker room and the people in that coach's office expected to be sitting where they are right now. They didn't expect this game to be the type of game that it is, where it's the biggest game in program history since, you know, those teams that went to the Holiday Bowl. So, you know, I, I think a lot of them are excited for this game, but I think realistically – um, they won't tell you, but I think they know what 
could possibly happen in this game. Wyoming could play the best game of their lives and still get beat by four touchdowns against this Boise State team. This Boise State team will spread you up, shred you out, dice you up, um, and then defensively they, they do the same thing. They get after you. They, they're physical. I mean, they're a well-oiled machine. Boise State, there, there's a few group of five programs that play like power five, like big-time power five programs. Boise State's one of them. Houston's another one of them. San Diego State's starting to become one of them. Um, that play uh, like the big boys so and recruit like the big boys as well. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a wake-up call for Wyoming. Uh, I certainly, if this score gets lopsided, if I'm Wyoming, I certainly do not get discouraged. I certainly do not let this hinder the progress of our development. Uh, if, I'm a, if I'm speaking as a Cowboys player, Cowboys coach, Cowboys fan, whatever, I'm not going to let this – impede our progress because this is one of those games where if you go out and compete you will make leaps and bounds in 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 your development if you go out and get your butts kicked you get you know you get good feedback of exactly where you are exactly where your your holes are because Boise State will expose you on that so I'm as excited uh, of a game as this is I think Boise State is going to put a thumping on them and, and really just show Wyoming okay here's the next step here's where you've got to get to now, if Bowl continues his development, if the players don't get too discouraged, uh, if they don't let the culture sink back into what they were uh, at, as a, between 2011 and uh, coming into this year, I think this program could be a good Mountain West program. They've just got to take time, take time, take time, keep fighting, keep keep battling. But Brett Rippon going to be way too much for him. Uh, McNichols and Spearback just, I mean, it's, it's going to be picking poison. Uh, with them stop one the other one's going to get you uh, and vice versa so it's going to be tough sledding for the for the cowboys but you know if they compete and, and fight they might give themselves a chance you never know that's why they tee it up but um you know realistically i see boise state running away with this uh yeah you know it, it's definitely gonna be their biggest t- test uh definitely in conference this year uh we're gonna stick up in the northwest and head to the pac-12 which has become one of the most confusing leagues in the country thus far this year uh washington is clearly the dominant force but utah keeps plugging away and winning ugly en route to a 7-1 record so far josh i know you're not really buying the youth success though yeah, you know, they've had a very, very favorable schedule. They've not really played too many people with a winning record. Um, UCLA has been a disappointment, obviously. And then they dropped the game to Cal, and I, I just don't think Cal's a very good team. So I'm concerned about the Utes. And I'm sure there's some Utah fans going, but 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 we've got Kyle Whittingham. We're a really good defense. They're, they're decent on defense. They're 31st. That's pretty good. Um, but they've gotten to shut out an FCS team, which helps their stats. They held a very offensively challenged BYU team to 19 points. They held an awful San Jose State team to 17. Uh, That number has jumped up in conference play. And even with that, Washington has the better defense. Washington is fourth in the nation. Or excuse me, sixth. They're fourth in scoring. They're sixth in defense at just 14.6 allowed. Um, but I don't want to be the conductor of the anti-Utah team because I was down on them last year. I'm down on them this year. I'm giving them a chance, though. And the reason why they have a great shot at pulling off a stunning upset is, A, it's in home. They're a great team in Salt Lake City. But also, if there's one thing that you have to be concerned about is 
who has Washington played? Here's their schedule. Rutgers, Idaho, Portland State at Arizona, Stanford, who's turned out to be just filled with injuries, at Oregon, we've talked about their issues, and Oregon State. They really haven't run through Murderer's Row yet, and this is their first uh, road game in a crazy atmosphere with the altitude, and I know they were in Autzen Stadium, but that's a rivalry game. They play there every other year. That was nothing new to them. And Oregon's also down, and they scored so quickly that the crowd wasn't even a factor in that one. So much like Auburn, there are reasons to look at this game and see ways Washington might struggle. I'll still take the Huskies, obviously, but Utah's got a puncher's chance. In fact, they probably have more than a puncher's chance. Coach? Yeah, I think they do. But if you look at the scores of their last three games, I mean, they, you know, yeah, they're not playing murderers row teams, but if they're as good as they say they are, they're supposed to whip up on these non-murderers row teams. And the only game they really struggled with was the uh, 35-28 overtime win on the road at Arizona, which Arizona can be a really pesky team. Uh, they've just been going through a lot of injury situations and, and things just aren't clicking down there for them. Um, but 41-17, to uh, Against Oregon State, uh, seventy to twenty-one at Oregon. I don't care who you are. You put seventy up on Oregon at Austin. That's pretty impressive, especially recently. Even even as bad as Oregon is, to get seventy on the road at that place is impressive. The six uh, punching Stanford in the mouth. That's the that's the statement game that they've made. That's kind of what what got them going. They were they were a good team, and then they punched Stanford in the mouth, and all of a sudden they got all this confidence and. Uh, they they haven't looked back since. Um, what what really does it for me with uh, Washington is Jake Browning behind center, uh, Heisman candidate, uh, just a phenomenal leader. Sits back there and runs that offense efficiently. Uh, I mean, they just score score in bunches. They hit you in the mouth defensively. I mean, it's you, know, you watch a play. I don't have to spout off numbers, numbers, numbers. Uh, I could just sit there and watch a play, watch how they get after you, um, and and see that. You know, this is a tough test for Utah. And Utah, uh, you know, they're at home. They play well at home in Salt Lake City. Their their home crowd gets into it. They have a great home crowd. Uh, you know, Kyle Winningham is, is, is known for his tough defenses, and I guarantee you he'll have a great game plan uh, for this one. I, I think it's going to be a good game. I'm not – I didn't say all that to say that I think Washington's going to blow them out because I, because I don't think they will. That's silly of me to – I'd be surprised if they did. Um, I would, if they did, I would probably wouldn't be shocked to read that Utah suffered a few key injuries in some key spots. But you know, I, I think the advantage is Jake Browning and knowing uh, just you know how to run that offense and, and how to read it and how to get how to get the opposing defenses in, in, in tough spots. So uh, that's going to be the difference maker there uh, defensively. I think it's going to be. You know, I, I think it's kind of a wash because I think both defenses are are very good, very talented. Uh, Utah's ranked for a reason, um, but uh, it's going to be one of those, you know, first, this is their first major test. Um, Stanford was a major test at the time uh, for Washington, um, and they've turned out to not be a major test for anyone. Um, but, uh, you know, this will be a, a, a true road test against a team that's playing at a high level right now. So I'm excited to watch the college game day is going to be there. Um in, in Salt Lake City, so uh, it will be a fun one. I think it's uh, it's a two thirty uh, Central Time game, uh, three thirty for the East Coast people, and uh, 
one thirty for you, uh, no, twelve thirty for you, uh, left coast people, Matt. So, um, you know, I, I like it. I, I think Washington's going to come out uh, ahead. I think they win by seven, and uh, it's going to be a very exciting game. All right. Well, uh, you know, we're going to move on to uh, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Uh, it's upon us once again. So even though Florida is definitely the favorite here, definitely can't count out the dogs, especially coming off of a bye week. Throughout the record, record books, coach, tell me what has to happen for Bull, for the Georgia Bulldogs to win. It's a finish dry, uh, first and foremost. I mean, offense, can, offense moves the ball well. Uh, but they get into a certain spot and they get ultra conservative or they untimely penalties or, you know, whatever the case may be, they don't finish drives. You know, Jacob Beeson throws for over 300 yards against Vanderbilt and they don't finish the drive. They don't finish drives. They don't get points or they get a measly field goal in a drive in which they, in which they should get six. Um, Jacob Beeson misses throws. He's just very inconsistent. So you're going to need more consistent play out of your quarterback. You're going to need more consistent performances out of your offensive line. They've got to protect better um, and pass pro Florida will after you there. Um, defensively, they got to put pressure on, on Del Rio. You put pressure on Del Rio, he will uh, he will make some mistakes. They've got playmakers out wide, Callaway um, especially. Uh, they've got, you know, they're, they're dangerous. They're a dangerous team all around. Uh, you know, you look at – you know, you look at a lot of what they do um, offensively, and it just it, – they're very balanced, um, Florida is. And McElwain has done a tremendous job of, you know, making sure he's getting his guys involved. Tyreek, you know, Cleveland, uh, he's emerging as a downfield threat as well. So it's not just one guy. Um, you know, he's averaging 20.7 yards per, per, uh, per reception. He, he got his first career touchdown against Missouri. Um but, uh, you know, he started to emerge there um, as well. Um, I, you know, it's going to be, for, for Georgia, it, you know, a lot of it's going to be atmosphere. Uh, Jacksonville has not been a pleasant place for the Bulldogs um, recently. Uh, the last two years they've gotten smacked in the mouth, and that's not unlike the last 25 years where they haven't had a whole lot of success in that building. Uh, they're just going to need to kind of get through that mental block. You know, there's, you know, there's something to be said with uh, – Teams having mental blocks on uh, in certain stadiums. This is definitely true uh, for Everbank Field. Uh, Nature is Patrick and Roquan Smith were being investigated for possession of marijuana. They were cleared of those and they're eligible to play. So uh, they're big pieces in the in the Georgia defense as well. Uh, Lorenzo Carter is going to have to get involved in, in the pass rush. Trent Thompson is going to have to be a big cog in both uh, eating up blockers for the linebackers and. and really just playing a factor in the run game and, and, and doing what he can in the pass game. Uh, back in the secondary, it's going to be Malcolm Parrish. He's going to have to lead the charge there. Uh, safeties are going to have to find some answers. You know, I think that's the weak spot for the, for the Georgia defense. So, uh, obviously, the run game is, is, is strong but not consistent for Georgia. Nick Chubb's going to have to get going. Sony Michelle's going to have to get rolling. Uh, Brian Herrian's going to have to get rolling. they got a good three-headed monster. They just don't always know – how to use him effectively, then, of course, the human joystick is, a, is definitely a weapon, but he's going to have to be more consistent in special teams. And special teams, uh, I'll, I'll end on this point. If Georgia's special teams, especially their kick coverage team, is awful, if they play poorly, then Florida's going to run away with this game. Um, so they've got to shore up their kick coverage teams. They've got to, 
they got to take away all that hidden yards. I'm pretty sure that Georgia leads the leads the country and lost hidden yardage. So, uh, got to improve in the, in the hashtag third phase. Um, hashtag gear of the third phase. It definitely is hashtag gear of the third phase there, Coach. Uh, Josh, you got anything to add here on this game quick? Well, yeah, my uh, my concern for Georgia is their past defense has been a little erratic at times. I think Coach has documented that pretty well. And uh, Luke Del Rio? And every, everything's erratic. <laughs> Honestly. Um, everything is erratic. Well, Iowa and Georgia should play each other in a terrible coaching off. But um, <laughs> you know, Del, Rio, Del, Del Rio came back from that shoulder injury. Um had the three picks against Missouri, um, but you know he was getting back to game speed, and I think he'll he'll be a little bit better uh, now in his second game back from injury against Georgia. But um, I, I just I don't believe that Georgia can really put up the points that will be required because Florida's defense is not really being talked about. But they're second in the country at 12 points allowed per game. Um, they shut out a decent North Texas team. They held Kentucky to just seven. Kentucky's now second in that division. They held Missouri, another SEC team, to 14 points and held Vanderbilt, an SEC team, to six points. So that defense is firing all, on, all, on all cylinders. And the Gators are going to be really, really hungry. Tennessee's now lost two conference games. Florida controls their own destiny to get back to the SEC title game. Uh, they're the better team. They're the better defense. They have the health. They have the quarterback that's now getting healthy, and they're going to be so hungry. I, I like the Gators. All right. Um, well, Coach, I'll definitely be pulling for your dogs, but it's definitely going to be uh, some uphill sledding there. Uh, our final game of the week uh, pits the team that I predicted would be would go on to being the undefeated national champion. Um, that is the Florida State Seminoles, who host the Clemson Tigers. Now, uh, this is uh, not the game that you know some of us uh, expected it to be. You know, the could have potential one versus two kind of matchup, but um, you know, it's still a giant game down in the ACC. Florida State still without Derwin James in the secondary, and the Tigers have a lot of firepower, but have looked shaky at best in their last two victories. So, uh, Coach, what's the key to the game for you? Well, the key to the game is close to the energy, their tempo, their their ability to um, get their energy up on the road. Uh, they've been struggling with that. Uh, of course, Deshaun Watson is going to do his thing, but the run game offensively, uh, can Wayne Gallman get going? Um, if he can get going, they'll be good there. Uh, defensively, they're going to have to key in and stop Dalvin Cook. If they can force Florida State to be one-dimensional, you know, and put the hands into the game of DeAndre Francois, that front seven can get pressure, and they love to get pressure, and they will make his, his life a nightmare um, if Dalvin Cook can't get going. So for Florida State, obviously, get Dalvin Cook going. Get him going early. Get him going often. Lean on him heavily. Uh, that's what he's there for. That's why he was a Heisman contender coming into the season. They didn't. They don't lean on him heavily enough. I don't. I don't believe. Uh, defensively, I, I think that they're finally starting to get some of their mojo back a little bit. Um, so they just need to keep playing, keep playing physical, keep playing hard. Uh, you know, keep doing what they're doing. They they have a, a array of blitzes, array of fronts. I think they do a good job game planning. 
um, and understanding other, the other team's tendencies and, and, and really just keying in on, on playmakers. They made life miserable for Brad Kaya, um, and uh, you know they'll continue to do so against Deshaun Watson. They'll attempt to. Um, whether or not they do it, um, I think it's going to be a tough day on Deshaun, but you know I, I think Deshaun Watson's going to do what he does because he's a great quarterback, I think. And, uh, but this, you know, it's going to be at home. You have the war chant going. Uh, it's, you know, for Clemson, they just got a, you know, really the most important thing about this game. Um, after all, I just kind of previewed all, after all the matchups, I kind of just previewed. Um, the most important thing is to get past that first wave because Florida State is going to come out fired up. They're hungry. You know, they, they got embarrassed against Louisville. Uh, they got shocked against North Carolina. Season's not going the way they think it's going. Rumors to Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher's heading to LSU. There's rumors of that. I'm sure they hear it. I'm sure there's a lot of talk going on, a lot of distraction. You know, I think they're ready for another team to come to Doke and come out with a loss. Now, what Florida State will do for big games and big victories is um, on the side of their practice field, they have this area with gravestones in it. And those gravestones have plaques of their big game victories. Um, and they have, the, they have the biggest, like, you know, mausoleum-looking uh, headstones for, like, their national championships and big bowl wins. So um, it's really kind of neat. I've been down there and seen that. Uh, my dad showed me one of his, uh, one of the plaques from uh, a game he played in against NC State. So um, it's really cool to see. Um, and I think they're fired up to try to add another gravestone there to that, uh, to the practice, to the practice field. So, uh, I like Florida State. I think they're going to be tough, but I think Clemson's going to be tougher. I think Clemson is, is a mature enough team to withstand that initial wave of, of excitement for the Knowles, and I think they settle in. And when they settle in and play football, I think Clemson's a better football team. So uh, give me the Tigers here. Uh, give me the Tigers by six. Josh? Man, talk about uh, stealing all my thunder. Well done, Coach. We didn't even share notes. Um, you know, <laughs> Corey brought up the defense for Florida State playing a little better, and they certainly looked it against Miami and against Wake, who I still think that Wake team's pretty good, uh, holding the Hold two on, of them. Quick aside, Army at Wake this year, uh, this weekend, two of your favorite squads. Uh, Army's slipped back a little bit. Wake, though, Wake looks good. I still have them in my poll. I have them at 25th, I believe. I believe they uh, can... I like Wake in that matchup. Yeah, I'll, I'll chime in. They win that game. They can bowl eligible, I believe. So. Yeah. Wake, Wake has um, impressed me. I, I don't want to turn this into the Wake Force podcast, but they, they, they impressed me when I saw a little bit of, of them against Florida State. Uh, Jason Chapel's dad was a two-time All-American at <laughs> Wake Forest in the 60s. That's um, bad baseball for you. Josh, back to Clemson. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, Coach brought up Florida State's defense playing a little better. They held Miami and Wake to a combined 25 points their last two games. Other defense overall is just 75th in the country at points against. They have too good of athletes. They have too much pride for that number to remain that big. This is their chance to atone for getting shredded by Lamar Jackson and Louisville. So I expect them to play a lot better. Uh, the Doak Campbell crowd is always insane. I think that'll jazz them up. But apples to apples, Clemson just is the better team this year. And I mentioned Washington really not playing any road games. I mentioned that for Nebraska not really playing any road games. Clemson's the opposite. They played at Auburn, which is looking more and more impressive of a victory as the season goes on. They played at 
Atlanta, where Georgia Tech is always squirrely at home. And then they had a road trip to BC, and I know you can scoff at that, but that was BC's Red Bandana Day. It's like the one time the crowd is fired up for a game. And, and it was a, it was a Friday night game too, so it was like an off weird night. So yeah, I, I could see it. I could see it being lackluster and playing like crap. And that was one of Clemson's best performances of the year. So um, Florida State's going to make this a battle. I wouldn't even be surprised if they pulled off the upset. But like coach, I'll take Clemson in, in just a real, real physical, fun game. This is this is going to be appointment TV prime time on ABC. All right, definitely, definitely. Well, I got to get out the door here real quick. So we got to run through our spread formations, no huddle. Uh, coming into the week, Josh, uh, you, you are still in the lead, but 17-22-1 after a 1-4 week last week. Coach, you're 14-25-1. I'm 13-26-1. Both of us were 2-3 and three last week. First game, mm-hmm. West Virginia, three-and-a-half point favorites on the road at um, Oklahoma State with I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not, I'm not a kid. Darn right, I'm not a kid. I'm taking Oklahoma State in the upset at home. How about you, Josh? Ooh, interesting. I really, really love what West Virginia has done in finding balance as a football team with a much improved defense. That defense has locked down several Big 12 teams. They'll do it again. West Virginia covers that three-and-a-half point spread by winning by about seven to maybe ten. Coach. Take me home. To the place where I belong. Pick it, West Virginia. All right, love it, love it. Uh, uh, staying with a, another team from Appalachia, App State, five and a half point favorites on the road at George Southern. Uh, Coach, uh, you, you know a lot about the George Southern program. You think they're going to pull off the upset at home? No, I, I think Appy State's going to cover. Appy State's just in, in a better place right now, uh, program wise, so I think they're going to cover here. Josh? On the road. Yeah, App State, I believe, has given up 22 points in conference games. No one can score against them. It's really hard to cover a spread if you get shut out, which is always possible with that incredible Mountaineer defense. I'll take App State to cover. All right, make a clean sweep. Uh, next, we've got uh, the Bluetooth heading up to Austin Stadium, where somehow this terrible Oregon team is eight-point favorites at home against a uh, better-than-500 Arizona State squad. Uh, Josh, you can't possibly take an Oregon, can you? <laughs> well, it's tempting. Uh, Arizona State has lost, what, I believe three in a row now? Yes. Uh, so you could kind of see why, but Oregon has injury issues combined with defensive issues. That's not a good recipe. I know at some point Oregon's going to break through, win a game, make us look bad. They're going to have a moment where they return to their former glory. But Arizona State, their season's kind of on the brink with that losing streak. I think they rally on the road. Sometimes with all that noise, having a game away from home actually helps you out. Sparky manages to cover because actually win. All right. Coach? Um, yes. <laughs> I think <laughs> um, this game is, uh, is going to send Mark Helfrich over to Reebok. Uh, I think the uh, I think the Bluetooth gets an upgrade here. Um, I think he <laughs> he changes his batteries, and I think his Bluetooth works for the entire game. So I think that's going to allow him to beat Oregon. I think uh, you know I think everybody's fighting. You know, there's there's an old term in baseball where they're fighting at the bat rack to get up to the plate because a pitcher is just throwing uh, 
throwing beach balls. So I think Oregon's throwing beach balls right now. So I think Oregon, I think Arizona State, even 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 the Bluetooth can go uh, hit a home run there at Austin. I think they cover and uh, I think they're going to win. I don't think Oregon has anyone that can cover freshman receiver and Keel Harry. He's been a beast so far this year. He's going to put up big numbers on this dilapidated Oregon secondary. Um, give me. Uh, Give me Sparky as well on the road. Um, we, we've got um, our, our next matchup has Virginia Tech at Pitt. Three and a half point favorites on the road. Josh, what you got? Yeah, this is a great Thursday night slate, um, and I'm going to be glued to my sofa watching this game. Uh, Virginia Tech is my Utah of the East. They beat uh, Liberty. Okay. They got walloped by Tennessee, beat awful B.C., Beat ECU, a game that doesn't really count anymore because the Purple Pirates have fallen apart. They beat the Tar Heels in a hurricane. You can throw that one out because the weather played more of a role than Virginia Tech did. They got rolled by Syracuse, and they beat Miami, a team that is free-falling right now. Pitt knocked off Penn State in, in Heinz Field. That win is looking better and better and better. Pitt's had some issues on the road, but have been pretty solid at home. They've been my darlings. I'm going with the Narduzzi chain because they're going to win straight up. I don't even need to worry about the spread. I got Pitt covering as a result because the Hokies are inexplicably favored. Coach? All right. Uh, where's my eraser? Hold on. Let me find my eraser here. All right. Uh, Josh, I, I think you did a good job of uh, convincing me there. Um, Pitt's a tough team at home. You're exactly right. I was going to go with Virginia Tech just because, you know, they've been playing a little bit better. Um, but I think that's just kind of a mirage. So I like the Panthers at home. All right. Uh, uh, give me the Panthers as well. Uh, and finally, in our favorite game, guess the ridiculous Kansas spread of the week. Rock Chalk Jayhawk on the road at Oklahoma. They don't have a track around their field. They're 40-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Josh, what you got? Yeah, I mean, the track is the source of Kansas's secret power, and without that, it's, it's going to be tough for them. Uh, they were somewhat competitive in this game a year ago, losing 62-7. to seven. So uh, I will go Oklahoma to cover that absolute ridiculous spread because, after all, I told you, Kansas is beating Texas. They're putting all their eggs in that basket. They're working on game tape. They're breaking down Charlie Strong. They don't even care about Oklahoma. This is the preseason. They're focused for that Texas win. Coach? <laughs> this, is, this is a ridiculous spread. I love, I love this segment. Uh, give me the Sooners at home. Uh, this is going to be this is going to be a comical score, I think. It's going to be – oh, man. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to I watching think, this score. I think Joe Mixon might put up 500 total yards in this game. I, I don't know if he's actually going to be jersey dirty either. I think I think he's he gonna, might put up. Yeah, he, yeah. he's going to need an auction, man. He's going to be just. It's going to be the. It's going to be the track meet for him. He's going to. He's going to. I think he's going to check out in the second quarter because it's going to be eighty-two to nothing, and he's going to have run a marathon. He's going to have two hundred rushing yards, two hundred receiving yards in this game. Uh, Put it up on the board right now. All right, guys, I got to get out of here. Um, I've got an appointment, but uh, that will do it for us today on Illegal Motion. So thanks to the coach, Corey Burton, and in Nashville, Tennessee, and in Chicago, Illinois, our intrepid blogger, Josh Cook. This is Matt Perkins saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. With the cream of the crop, oh, yeah. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. 
To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.